Campfire Classics is a classic literature podcast. However, your hosts will occasionally use not-so-classy language and immature humor to describe very mature situations. As such, listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Ken Sandberg. And I'm Heather Michelle Lawler. Welcome to Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelves. Somebody's home, and it's him. It's him. It's Ken. He's home. Somebody's home. It's me and Ken and Lina. Of course, we're all together in our home. <laughs> I don't think it is possible to start a musical lyric with the word somebody and not have me want it to follow up with once told me. Somebody once told me the world is gonna throw me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. Uh, but hello, everybody. Yes, we are back. We are back with our 90s references and our, uh, our, we are back in our home. Yeah. So. Uh, are you feeling alienated yet? If not, don't worry. We'll get you there. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll make sure everyone feels a little alienated at some point in the episode. We're good at that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Welcome yeah. to Campfire Classics, where we are slowly or not so slowly alienating our entire audience base. And yet we get a few new people every week, so uh, some some weirdos return, and those are the weirdos we like. That's you're, If you've made it this far, a minute and a half into the episode, <laughs> you're, you're our kind of weirdo. You're invited to our wedding. Because <laughs> if you like this shit... <laughs> Um, but yeah, Ken just got home just a couple hours ago mm-hmm. from his contract in Maine. I took the A train. He, literally, That's not true. No, well, I guess the Amtrak. It, the Amtrak. Yeah, I yeah. did. I took I the was A train. Like, you literally took the A train. Yep. Um, so he he scooched down all the way from Maine back to Philadelphia, and uh, we're we're happy to have him back. Yay! So we're sitting in our little sound booth closet together again. Yay! Drinking prosecco. Yay! And. Uh, Ready to getting give, give getting you a silly tail. and slappy. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of silly slappy, um, should we just <laughs> jump right into what we do? Uh, sure. If if you're ready, I mean that's like the shortest intro we've ever done. That's pretty I, hilarious. I mean, once upon a time. I mean, I didn't our, get to, I didn't get to talk about cannibalism with George Bush and. Like, do you want to talk about some George Bush cannibalism? <laughs> kind of. Great. Let's hear it. What you got? So I recently was listening to like a TikTok of like weird history facts you could hardly believe are true, and the one was George H W Bush, so George Senior, was in World War II as a fighter pilot. And they took out this radio tower on this remote island um, uh, against the the Japanese troops. And then they had to bail out of their airplane. And he got separated from everyone. He ran for like a mile and a half and then swam for like two hours to get away from the enemy troops. But everyone else, everyone else in this like um, uh, mission um, were captured. And the fucking, they were tortured. And then they started eating them. Like, and this didn't come out for years, like this, all this information that this one, like troops, this one, like the, lieutenant, the that lieutenant ran, in the, the, the was, Japanese army was like forcing his, like he, he was himself doing it, but then he was like 
making the people like his subordinates eat thigh meat and sh- and livers and stuff. I was like, fuck, man, that is some dark, twisted shit. But I was like, yeah, I wouldn't believe that. Like I saw it on TikTok. So I was like, I have to look it up because like like she's she she seemed legit. She seemed well informed, but I get stu- I get uh duped when Ken tells stories. Yeah. And those are not true. So Yeah. Well because I also seem well informed. <laughs> Because you are an intelligent human. I am confident and well-spoken. Make some weird shit up. And the less true it is, the more confident I am. Yes, yes. But I looked it up, and it's true. And there is a book called Flyboys where you can read all about it. Um, So we are not sponsored by that book, but I want to go read it now. That seems, like, crazy. I mean, that's... So our, our one of our presidents, and though he was not everyone's favorite, he was by far not the worst we've had in recent years. Um, he, uh, he is a, I mean, war hero. I mean, good for him. He, he fucking slayed. And then, war hero. I mean, depending on which side of that war you were on. <laughs> um, I'm going to go <laughs> with the side that we were on was the, the, the good one. <laughs> like for a lot of reasons. I'm, I'm, I listen, I'm not making. Especially because the other side was eating people. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So, okay, so what you're telling me right now is that you're willing to take a hard line that Campfire Classics is anti-cannibalism. Hard line, yeah. Okay. You know, I'm a political person. I try to, like, be open. But, you know, one thing I'm not going to be swayed on is cannibalism unless it is for, like, ultimate survival, like, that last last ditch effort, like, you know. But I don't—I hope no one is ever— Ever in a situation where that is the choice you have to make to live or die. But, like, how do you determine that that is the situation you're in? Because I'm thinking me, I got to be thinking. If, if I ever got to the point where I'm like, I think I'm going to die if I don't eat another person. <laughs> or a person? Not well, another. You already as, have? No, no, no. Oh, I mean, another like as eat- opposed to a, oh. <laughs> another person who is not me. I thought you were like, I did it once. I don't want to eat it once. another one. I really one. don't want to eat a person again. It was not, <laughs> not fun another the first one. time. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that was, uh, Yeah. I'll tell you what. What happens in North Dakota Oh, well, yeah, we know that. <laughs> um, no, but, like, if I ever got to the point where I'm thinking, like, if I don't eat a freaking a human being, I'm going to die, the whole time I would be thinking. There's got to be s- something else. No, the whole time I would be thinking, I swear to God, I better be stuck out in this jungle for at least another week. Because if I get rescued five minutes after finishing this dude's <laughs> thigh, somebody. I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> I'm going to need some therapy. Uh, yeah. If like if the helicopter is closing in right now, this is not okay. This is not it. This is this is not something I want to tell anyone about ever, but I'm going to have to cuz I'm fucked up now. Yeah. Um so yeah, hard line against what, cannibalism. Yeah. Fair but enough. there was also that that city in Colorado that we stumbled upon when I was out there doing a show. Yeah, Lake where city, they they, where eat they like they had a cannibalism like society because they got stranded in these lake on these mountain passages and that's what they did and it became like a way of life like for like i mean this is back in like wild west times so you know yeah back in the 1990s 90s somebody once told me to eat my friend and i'm done I mean, in fairness, it was the early, early nineties. It was like ninety, ninety-one. So it was, oh. it was still the HW uh, uh, oh, administration. Okay. 
So cannibalism was cool? <laughs> well, we almost didn't have him. If he hadn't run that fast and swam that far, we'd have a whole different situation in yeah. American politics. For the better or worse, who knows? But there's, there's, I'm glad he didn't get caught. I don't wish that upon anybody, yeah. except for a couple. I, you know what? There's, That's a lie. A, uh, there are a, a couple random... people I would, I would sacrifice to cannibal. So you're not hardline anti-cannibal. <laughs> Only the people that deserve it. <laughs> so you're not hardline anti-cannibal. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! What have I done? <laughs> There's just some people I don't want to be living anymore, I guess. Uh, so. Well, there is a whole, like, universe of options between well, not alive and consumed by cannibals. Yeah, I don't want cannibalism because cannibalism is, like, proven to, like, make the, like, make the people eating the people absolutely fucking insane. Yeah. So we don't need more, we don't need more crazy people on this planet. So, yes, hard line, no cannibalism. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I, I like that in the last. We're gonna sit. I like that in the last five minutes we've actually waffled on the issue we've, of cannibalism. We've debated it. <laughs> it's been up Campfire and down and classics. back and forth. But here at Campfire Classics, we do not condone cannibalism unless we do. <laughs> it just depends on the mood you catch us in. Apparently, it really does. <laughs> I know I couldn't do it, but you know, I, I you know, I, I'm, I am gonna poo-poo someone else's lifestyle in this sense, though. They're probably going to poo-poo, too. So, ew. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that was the thing. So I was reading up on it. So they, they charged the dude, the, 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 yeah. the lieutenant in the Japanese army who was making all his guys eat people. They charged him with war crimes, but apparently at the time, it had not occurred to anyone that they needed to formally address cannibalism in international law. So technically, by becoming cannibals, they had not committed war crimes. They had not broken international mm -hmm. law. So what they ended up having to charge them with was um, denial of honorable burial. So, that's Which like is, these people, like mafia people, that don't ever get caught for all the murders they do, but they get caught for like tax evasion. Yeah, <laughs> it's like we can't prove and you like, murdered twenty people, but you didn't pay your, you taxes, didn't pay your taxes for twenty years, so jail for you. Yeah. Like, uh, it makes me question so many things. But anyway, we, we, we can't we can't arrest you for eating that guy, but when you pooped him into a hole, that's not cool. No, I'm just imagining someone squatting in the woods, like after they eat. I yeah. This this has this is why we don't go on tangents, and we should just read the stories. Right? Hey, I <laughs> literally ten minutes ago, I said, should we jump into what we do? I don't know. That and was then, really interesting to me, and I wish <laughs> I could give credit to the the TikTok person that told me that story. We'll, we'll put it in the show notes. I'll look it up after. Cool. Um, because their channel is really cool. Or just but. Google TikTok cannibals. <laughs> Don't do that at all. I don't you, even want to know. <laughs> you might find something cool. Your algorithm's going to get fucking weird. You might find something cool. Oh, you don't God. know. You never know. You never know. If you just put words together in Google search, something cool might happen. Yes, it might. Or might. you might get arrested by the FBI. Well, that's... <laughs> always have safe search on. <laughs> or not uh, safe search. Like uh, incognito, incognito mode. I mean, I don't think that stops the FBI, my love. I'm pretty sure it doesn't, yeah. <laughs> but it will keep you from fucking up your algorithm. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Just only do that shit on the computers at public libraries. There you go. There you go. 
<laughs> or at work, you know. <laughs> Good stuff. Welcome to Campfire Classics. Bad life advice. There's a reason we're not an advice show. Oh, God, that would be terrible. Uh, so but here, now I'm ready for the story. All right, so here at Campfire Classics, what we do is we read short stories that we have found from the public domain. We cold read them. Cold read them. Wow, I tripped over my tongue. Excuse me. Uh, we cold read them for do, you. Let's do that a lot. Yeah, they a lot. trip over someone's all, tongue. Always tripping over the tongue. Um <laughs> We cold read these stories for you, sight unseen, and uh, we make fun of penis jokes and cannibalism. Yeah, and everything in between. Or everything. Sometimes it's the sometimes, same thing. Sometimes above or below it, yeah. <laughs> uh, something about eating meat. Yeah. I'm glad um, we already ate dinner tonight. That's all I have to say. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, so um, this week I'm uh, delighted to announce that my tongue is not going to be getting in the way very much because I chose the story that Heather is going to read. My turn. Uh, but before we get into that particular story, I thought I would share a few uh, fun uh, facts. We do love fun facts. To, um, to sort of give us some, some context for the story we're going to read. This week's author is a guy I think we have not read before. Ooh, another uh, one. His name is Fritz Lieber. <laughs> oh, God, this is not a good start. Is he a Nazi? No. <laughs> okay, good. Um, I was like, very much. from cannibalism actually, to Nazis. Actually, very much now. Okay, um, good. So, good. Fritz Lieber uh, was an American sci-fi and horror okay. pulp writer. <laughs> okay. He was born in Chicago in 1910. Okay. And his parents were both successful Shakespearean actors. In fact, before going to college at the University of Chicago, he spent a year touring with their Shakespeare company, Fritz Lieber and Company. He's named after his father. He's actually Fritz Lieber Jr. Junior. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. He's um, a theater kid. Yeah. So he he was on the road with his parents in their Shakespeare troupe. I love it. Uh, after earning his bachelor's in philosophy. <laughs> that sounds like a theater person yeah, degree. Uh, like, he you went, can't major in theater. You got to pick something else. English or philosophy. Yeah. That's well, and this this is like bef- 1930. It's before theater was yeah. a degree. You got a degree in speech or yeah. something. Yeah. Communications. English communications. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he gets his, his bachelor's in philosophy. Philosophy, uh, and then he went on to seminary, which he never completed, and Thank then God. grad school in philosophy, which he never complete competed, and then back to his parents' acting company. <laughs> sounds, that sounds like my journey a little bit. Weird life when acting is your fallback plan. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. it's the family business. It's the family business. It's like it's like if you're a circus kid, you try and you go be, try and become a doctor, and yep. you're like, nope. Nope, I just want to fly through the air with the greatest of ease. <laughs> I ran away from home to join an accounting firm, yeah. <laughs> but it didn't stick. Did not stick. <laughs> yeah. So it was during his time with the acting troupe, his second time around with the acting troupe, uh, that he started writing. His work with this itinerant Shakespearean company proved to be the inspiration for some of his future stories, like No Great Magic and Four Ghosts in Hamlet. Ooh. It is said that he started a brief and intense correspondence with H.P. Lovecraft, who encouraged his writing. But let's be honest. 
it feels like every time we read one of these pulp writers, mm-hmm. they wrote Lovecraft, got advice, and he became a mentor for them. Yeah. Either he was the busiest, kindest mentor in the history of fiction writing, or for some reason, every writer that came out of the 1930s just lied and said, Claims. oh yeah, I'm friends with H.P. Lovecraft. They claim him. Or he had a really good assistant. He had like a really good personal assistant that just like was his fan mail person. He had a secretary who was just really good at responding <laughs> like, to every letter. He had like a like a um, they had like a stamp with his signature on it, and then like a kind of a um, a letter that he sent to everyone. They just changed the name, the template. <laughs> it's like here's my master class, Fritz, and please enjoy it. <laughs> like it's like plug in name here. Yeah. Well, I hope I hope H.P. Lovecraft was just cool as shit. Um, but that is pretty funny yeah. to think about, actually. Uh, so, although Fritz was a lifelong pacifist, he did decide to join the war effort during World War II. See, because, full circle. Look at this. Because uh, he he decided the that the fight against fascism was too important to completely sit out. Now, he did not join as a combatant. He was a quality inspector for aircraft oh, for the military. Oh, that's like what my did like my mom's dad cool yeah that's like he was he inspected aircraft yeah and stuff. Yeah. yeah he was he was a a quality inspector for the cool. yeah, for the military yeah um and he figured that was something that he could do that would help the effort against without fascism fighting. without yeah. compromising yeah. his like, his like pacifist yeah. it's like beliefs. the quakers in the revolutionary war yeah. like that i talk about all the time yeah. but, uh it's they're like we want to help we maybe don't want to fight. Yeah, I'm not going to shoot a gun. Make, I'm not going to swing a we're sword. We're going to make but, flags. We're yep. going to make tents. We're going to, you know, like I can, uh, feed I can them. feed troops. Gonna, yeah. I can be a doctor. Those I can, people. yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh. Uh, he did marry and had one child. Mm-hmm. Um, when his wife died in 1969, they'd been together for 33 years. Uh, he fell into alcoholism, which did not help his writing. After she died. After she died. Oh. Yeah. Uh, However, he was able to continue working some and he did manage to live his last years quite comfortably because his most popular writings were uh, writings around two characters he created, um, Fafford. Uh, which is spelled F-A-F-H-R-D. There aren't enough vowels, so I have no idea Fafard? how to... Fafford? Yeah, Fafford. Fafford? I don't know. Fafford, Fafford, and the Grey Mouser. Okay. Um, were his two most popular characters. They were fantasy characters, and they were licensed by TSR, the company that first put out Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Oh, so amazing. he collected royalty checks from TSR that was keeping him afloat through his his later years. Hilarious. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, in 1992, at 81 years old, he remarried finally. <laughs> Damn. Um, it did not last long because he had a stroke and died. Aww. Oh yeah, uh, but was he having sex? <laughs> I, you know, when I those... hear the stories of these old people like remarrying or something, and like that's around when Viagra came out because the Bob Dole ads. That's around when it was ninety two. It's like, <laughs> like 
like, whoopsie daisy. At least he went out happy. You know, that's all yeah. that matters. So over seven decades, he wrote hundreds of short stories across several genres. And today you'll be reading one that came out in 1950. Mm. Uh, dear listeners, extensive research has yielded no sign of an active copyright. Love Pulp Fiction. Uh, this story is called... Coming attraction. <laughs> Let's start this fire. Coming attraction by Fritz Lieber. Women will always go on trying to attract men, even when the future seems to have no future. <laughs> okay, I don't know how I feel about that statement. <laughs> I think men always think women are trying to attract men. And men are just very attracted to all women. <laughs> yes, but uh, this story was written by a man, so he gets to create the world, so we have to assume he's right. Okay, sure. He's right. Let's find out. <laughs> it's uh, right, at least from his perspective, he's from right. From his perspective. All right. I, I imagine there's going to be more to it oh, than I'm, just the I'm one sure. sentence. That's just our little, that's a little quote. Well, not, it's not in quotes, so it's just a little uh, precursor to the story. The coop with the fish hooks welded to the fender shouldered up over the curb like the nose of a nightmare. Wow. Whew. The girl in its path stood frozen, her face probably stiff with fright under her mask. Why is she wearing a mask? Ooh, weird. Is this COVID? Also, why she's just standing there when well, a when a car with fucking fish hooks attached to it comes driving at her? It sounds like she's a little in shock and like you know it's happening really fast. But yeah. Also, why is she wearing a mask? I feel like this is very like. So far, this whole thing already feels very Mad Max. Yeah, it's very like oh shit, what's about to happen? For once, my reflexes weren't shy. I took a fast step toward her, grabbed her elbow, yanked her back. Her black skirt swirled out. The big coop shot by, its turbine humming. I glimpsed three faces. Something ripped. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> a fart joke. I felt the hot exhaust on my ankles as the big coop swerved back into the street. A thick cloud like a black flower blossomed from its jauncing rear end. <laughs> they call that crop dusting. <laughs> yes, that's right. Jouncing. I like jouncing that. rear end. A thick cloud like a black flower blossomed from its jouncing rear end, while from the fish hooks flew a black shimmering rag. What? I'm I'm guessing that means that the uh, it caught part of her skirt. Mm -hmm. I think I need to try a construction worker style cat call on the street next time I see someone. Why? Please don't. Hey baby, are you a coop? Cause you got a jouncing rear end. Jesus Christ! I don't want to be there when you do that. Or please do it to like a friend of yours. Say it to say it to Doug in his uh, in his uh, uh, 18th century garb. Be like, good day, sir. You have a jouncing rear end. <laughs> hey, John Dunlap, printer of Philadelphia. <laughs> Are you a coop? Because you got a jouncing rear end. <laughs> See, now he listens to this. He's going to hear this before you say it. You got to do it tomorrow now. I mean, he's not, yeah. Well, spoilers, or we'll just take this part out. 
No, we won't. <laughs> All right. We'll wait for the emails. Yes. Did they get you? I asked the girl. She had twisted around to look where the side of her skirt was torn away. She was wearing nylon tights. The hooks didn't touch me, she said shakily. I, I guess I'm lucky. I heard voices around us. Those kids, what'll they think up next? They're a menace. They ought to be arrested. <laughs> yeah, public jouncing. <laughs> public jouncing rear ends. Sirens screamed at a rising pitch as two motor police, their rocket-assisted jets... Whoa. Holy shit. Yeah, we're very Mad Maxy right yep. now. Yep. Their rocket-assist jets full-on came whizzing toward us after the coup. But the black flower had become a thick fog, obscuring the whole street. The motor police switched from rocket assist to rocket brakes and swerved to a stop near the smoke cloud. Are you... are you English? The girl asked me. You have an English accent. I love it when it's right there in the dialogue. Yeah, great. Now I know. Her voice came shudderingly from behind. At least it didn't say, are you German? <laughs> or are you French? Are you French? <laughs> like, her voice came shudderingly from behind the sleek black satin mask. I fancied her teeth must be chattering. Eyes that were perhaps blue searched my face from behind the black gauze covering the eye holes of the mask. I told her she'd guessed right. She stood close to me. Will you come to my place tonight? Well, shit. Wow. Wow. That is some uh, some night on night on a white horse. Uh, Chiching. <laughs> white knight syndrome. Yeah, white knight syndrome. Uh, Will you come back to my place tonight? She asked rapidly. I can't thank you now, and there's something you can help me about. Wow. <laughs> Damn, girl. <laughs> She's thirsty. She, she she needs him to settle the jouncing. <laughs> She's like, I can't do it right in the middle of the street. The cops are right there. So, please, can you come to my house later? I'll show you the coming attractions. <laughs> my arm, still lightly circling her waist. Well, and he's still holding her. Oh, yeah. shit. Felt her body trembling. Mm-hmm. I answered the plea in that as much... Oh, I was I was... Yep. I was answering the plea in that as much as in her voice when I said, Certainly. I don't know what British accent that was. <laughs> she gave me an address south of Inferno, an apartment number and a time. She asked me my name and I told her, Hey you! I turned obediently to the policeman's shout. He shooed away the small clucking crowd of masked women and barefaced men. Oh shit. So it's like. Dealing with women are all covered up. Oh man. Don't love that. Coughing from the smoke that the black coop had thrown out, he asked for my papers. I handed him the essential ones. He looked at them and then at me. British Bada, how long will you be in New York? <laughs> Suppressing the urge to say, for as short a time as possible. I told him I'd be here for a week or so. <laughs> May need you as a witness, he explained. Those kids can't use smoke on us. When they do that, we pull them in. You also, the kids also probably shouldn't be hitting women with their cars. Yeah, but apparently it's sounding, they don't like the women very much. Yeah, it's, so. it's sounding like this might be a. Um, it's more like, yeah. Oh, oh, wait, wait. We're gonna get there. Yeah. <laughs> he seemed to think the smoke was the bad thing. 
They tried to kill the lady, I pointed out. <laughs> it's exactly what yep. I, yep, that's exactly, I was like, wait. He shook his head wisely. Oh, they always pretend they're going to, but actually that they just want to snag skirts. <laughs> Jesus. They're just pantsing people as they go down the street with their fish hooks. It's a drive-by pantsing. <laughs> Oh, that is the most idiotic crime committable. <laughs> That's stupid. Oh, no. Hey, kid, what you in for? A drive-by pantsing. Damn, that's, that's, that's dark, man. Leave that one alone. Yeah, don't mess with him. Uh, actually, they just want to snag skirts. I picked up rippers, as many as 50 skirt snags tacked up to their rooms. Oh, they keep them as trophies? Ew. <laughs> of course, sometimes they come a little too close. I explained that if I hadn't yanked her out of the way, she would have been hit by more than hooks. But he interrupted. If she thought it was a real murder attempt, she would have stayed here. I looked around. It was true. She was gone. She was fearfully frightened, I told him. Well, who wouldn't be? Those kids would have scared old Stalin himself. <laughs> I mean, frightened of more than kids. They they didn't look like kids. What did they look like? I tried without much success to describe the three faces. A vague impression of viciousness and effeminacy doesn't mean much. Well, I could be wrong, he said finally. Do you know the girl, where she lives? No. I half lied. The other policeman hung up his radio phone and ambled... And am ambled? <laughs> No, I'm just imagining his walk. The other policeman hung up his radio phone and ambled towards us, kicking. That's gonna. That's definitely going to affect the voice I use here. Kicking at the tendrils of dissipating smoke, the black cloud no longer hid the dingy facades with their five-year-old radiation flash burns. Oh shit! And I could begin to make out the distant stump of the Empire State Building thrusting up out of Inferno like a mangled finger. Huh. Whoa. So it really is kind of Mad max -y. Yeah, very much so. They haven't been picked up. <laughs> yep, that's it. <laughs> that matches the song you sang. They haven't been picked up so far, the approaching policeman grumbled. Less smoke for five blocks from what Ryan says. The first policeman shook his head. That's bad, he observed solemnly. I was feeling a bit uneasy and ashamed. An Englishman shouldn't lie, at least not on impulse. <laughs> <laughs> they seldom... That's what you Americans do. Yes. Englishmen don't lie. These filthy Americans, they lie all the time. They sound like nasty customers, the first policeman continued in the same grim tone. We'll need witnesses. Looks as if you may have to stay in New York longer than you expected. I got the point. I said, oh, I forgot to show you all my papers. And he handed them a few others, making sure there was a $5 bill among them. Oh, no, $5. <laughs> wow. Must be a rough economy right now. I don't know, five bucks in 1950? Oh, that's right. I forget his name. Well, but it's... Is We're it... talking about Stalin, so it's not supposed to it's take place long too ago. long after. Yeah, that's true. When he handed them back a bit later, his voice was no longer ominous. My feelings of guilt vanished. 
To cement our relationship, I chatted with the two of them about their job. I suppose the masks give you some trouble, I observed. Over in England, we've been reading about your new crop of masked female bandits. (laughs) (laughs) Those things get exaggerated, the first policeman assured me. It's the men masking as women that really mixes us up. Oh, 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 we're going like transgender here. What's going on? (laughs) Well, shit. This is is a far more political story than I was prepared for it to be. It's also like like the whole mask thing is like giving me strong COVID flashbacks Mm -hmm. (laughs) trauma. Um, All right. So, okay. It mixes them up. But, brother, when we nab them, we jump on them with both feet. And you get so you can spot women almost as well as if they had naked faces, the second policeman volunteered. You know, hands and all that. It sounds like two guys trying to, like, figure out which girl is actually a drag, drag queen. Yes, it's like these, like, fucking, like, Trump supporters that are, like, getting, slipping into, like, drag queen's DMs. Like, you're so beautiful and stuff. And then they, like, catfish them hard. And they're like, I'm a drag queen bitch after they've been talking to them for, like, two months. <laughs> That's another TikTok person I follow. It's real <laughs> funny. Especially all that, the first agreed with a chuckle. Say, is it true that some girls don't mask over in England? A number of them have picked up the fashion, I told him. Only a few, though. The ones who always adopt the latest style, however extreme. They're usually masked in the British newscasts. I imagine it's arranged that way out of deference to American taste, I confessed. Actually, not very many do mask. The second policeman considered that. Girls going down the street bare from the neck up. It was not clear whether he viewed the prospect with relish or moral distaste. Likely both. So, Jesus, <laughs> yeah. This is, it's, it's some every one of them tale, politicians. Like weird, yeah. It's, yeah. A few members keep trying to persuade Parliament to enact a law forbidding all masking, I continued, talking perhaps a bit too much. The second policeman shook his head. What an idea. You know, masks a pretty good thing, brother. Couple of years more and I'm gonna make my wife wear hers around the house. The first policeman shrugged. If women were to stop wearing masks, in six weeks you wouldn't know the difference. You get used to anything if enough people do it or don't do it. I agreed rather regretfully and left them. (laughs) It's like, yeah, I'm not gonna win this argument, I'm done. I turned north on Broadway, Old 10th Avenue, I believe, and walked rapidly until I was beyond Inferno. Passing such an area of uncontaminated radioactivity always makes a person queasy. I thanked God there weren't any such in England as yet. The street was almost empty, though I was accosted by a couple of beggars with faces tunneled by H-bomb scars. Whether real or of makeup putty, I couldn't tell. A fat woman held out a baby with webbed fingers and toes. I told myself it would have been deformed anyway and that she was only capitalizing on our fear of bomb-induced mutations. Still, I gave her a seven and a half cent piece. Seven and a half cent piece? That is a weird, that is a, that's a weird piece of, of uh, um, money right there. Seven and a half cents. 
It's not a five cent. It's not a nickel. It's not a dime. It's so, it's like right in between. Seven and a half cents doesn't buy a heck of a lot. Seven and a half cents doesn't mean a thing. Whee! But give it to me every hour, 40 hours every week. That's enough for me to be living like a king. Isn't that, is that from Pajama uh, Game? Pajama Game, yeah. yeah. And that came out. When did that come out? <laughs> got a lot of, we got a lot of references to this time. That is hilarious. Was there, did there, there, I wonder if there, did there used to be a seven and a half cent piece? I don't know. <laughs> now I want to know. Because <laughs> there's, we've got Pulp Fiction and Musical Theater referencing it. The Pajama Game, the movie is 1957. The musical is probably a few years before. Based on the 1954 stage musical, which itself is based on the 1953 novel, Seven and a Half Cents. Well, there's there's a rabbit hole I didn't think we'd go down, and was that a thing? Well, seven and a half cents. Well, um, I mean that is, could be payment, but he just yeah. said a seven and a half cent piece, so that means it's like a coin that is seven and a half cents. Yeah, it appears to be an alternate universe okay. thing. I'm not cool. finding anything that's. But that is that is a very random yeah. like coinky dink within a couple years. Yeah. Um, May all your children be blessed with one head and two eyes, sir. Thanks, I said, shuddering and hurrying past her. There's only trash behind the mask, so turn your head, stick to your task. Stay awake! Stay away from the girls! <laughs> that was hilarious and terrifying at the same time. <laughs> This is some this old is... beggar woman with a baby with webbed feet singing that song at you. I, I thought New York was creepy this sometimes. This is nuclear winter Tin Pan Alley. Yeah, this is not it. <laughs> All right. This, la uh, this last was the end of an anti-sex song being sung by some religious... Oh. So it was something he could hear. Ah, yes. So that's not the old beggar woman singing. It's... But it is singing. It is people... At, at a, a church. church down the way. Okay, so I'm gonna do it it's, again. It's their it's it's, it's their hymn. equivalent to the like temperance songs. <laughs> There's only trash behind the mask, so turn your head, stick to your task, stay away, stay away from the girls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want both of those included in uh in the episode because Talk about um, a different song. Yeah, it's uh, it's it, it's what's her name uh, in Guys and Dolls. It's um, uh, Sarah, Sarah, Sarah 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 Brown. Brown? Yeah, Sarah Brown. Yep. Until she meets the bad boy, and then yeah. she's like, "I'm into it." This last was the end of an anti-sex song being sung by some religious half a block from the circle and cross insignia of a femaleist temple. Femaleist temple. They reminded me only faintly of our small tribe of British monastics. Above their heads was a jumble of billboards advertising pre-digested foods, wrestling in wrestling instruction. <laughs> That's a fun Friday night. Pre-digested foods, wrestling instruction, radio handies, and the like. Handies. Radio handies. You got pre-digested food, hot. Wrestling instruction, hot. Grrr. Radio handies. <laughs> Friday night. So, do they just tell you how to do it for yourself? 
I don't know. Maybe we'll find out. I stared at the hysterical slogans with disagreeable fascination. Since the female face and form had been banned on American signs, the very letters of the advertiser's alphabet had begun to crawl with sex. The fat-bellied, big-breasted capital B. The lascivious double O. (laughs) It's the naughtiest alphabet reading I've ever had in my life. I'm just obsessed with this B and O, so it just like spells boob. Yep. <laughs> but it I- doesn't just spell boob; it spells boob. <laughs> However, I reminded myself it is chiefly the mask that so strangely accents sex in America. A British anthropologist has pointed out that while it took more than 5,000 years to shift the chief point of sexual interest from the hips to the breasts, the next transition to the face has taken less than 50 years. Comparing the American style with the Muslim tradition is not valid. Muslim women are compelled to wear veils, the purpose of which is concealment, while American women have only the compulsion of fashion and use masks to create mystery. Huh. So it's like the opposite. All right. Theory aside, the actual origins of the trend are to be found in the anti-radiation clothing of World War III. Yeah, this is hitting really too close. (laughs) Jesus Christ. World War III, which led to masked wrestling. (laughs) Kinky. Now a fast... uh, now a fantastically popular sport and that in turn left and that in turn led to the current female isn't masked wrestling just the the luchadors it's the mexican Mexican wrestling wrestling. was that a thing in the 50s i feel like that goes way back yeah well you look that up i'm gonna read that sentence again because that was terrible Theory aside, the actual origins of the trend are to be found in the anti-radiation clothing of World War III, which led to masked wrestling, now a fantastically popular sport, and that in turn led to the current female fashion. Only a wild style at first, masks quickly became as necessary as brassieres and lipstick had earlier been in the century. Huh. What? Yeah, so the the lucha libre, the yeah. luchadors, you first start seeing them in the 1860s. Oh yeah, so the the like when this was written, they were almost 100 years old. Yeah. Now I don't know if he knew about them. Or Early 1900s, they start becoming very, uh, very popular. reasonably popular. But they're men. Like that's definitely men. Well, they, um, I guess that is, too. And it it became a a sport with a national foothold in the 1930s. Okay, so it's very much known. Okay. Uh. In the fifties, it's it it started becoming like really, really popular. popular. Yeah. Okay. So masks are as necessary as bras. Yep. Um, as someone with with breast assist, I cannot believe that's true, but sure. I well, <laughs> if your nose weighed as much as your boobs do, their noses do not weigh as much as my boobs do. I'm not saying they do. I'm saying if it did. But that's not why they're then wearing masks. Then you would... Maybe because of the radiation poisoning, their noses got real big. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't think that's what they're implying, but we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. I'm not going to, you know... I've been proven wrong before in these stories. I 
finally realized that I was not speculating about masks in general, but about what lay behind one in particular. That's the devil of the things. That's such a British saying. Mm -hmm. That's the devil of the things. You're never sure whether a girl is heightening loveliness or hiding ugliness. I pictured a cool, pretty face in which fear showed only in widened eyes. Then I remembered her blonde hair, rich against the blackness of the satin mask. She told me to come at... Mm, she, she told, she told me, me to come, but I was already, already there. there. She told me to come at the 22nd hour, 10 p.m. Expect the first come <laughs> when the bell tolls one. <laughs> I climbed to my apartment near the British consulate. The elevator shaft had been shoved out of plumb by an old blast. A nuisance in these tall New York buildings. Before it occurred to me that I was going out again, I automatically tore a tab from the film strip under my shirt. I developed it. What? <laughs> I developed it just to be sure. It showed that the total radiation, oh shit. It showed that the total radiation I'd taken in that day was still within the safety limit. I'm not phobic about it, as so many people are these days, but there's no point in taking chances. Damn. So you have, like, a like test strip on you at yeah. all times. That's terrifying. I flopped down on the daybed and stared at the silent speaker and the dark screen of the video set. As always, they made me think, somewhat bitterly, of the two great nations of the world— Mutilated by each other, yet still strong, they were crippled giants poisoning the planet with their dreams of an impossible equality and an impossible success. Oh, fuck. I fretfully switched on the speaker. By luck, the newscaster was talking excitedly of the prospects of a bumper wheat crop sown by planes across the dust bowl moistened by seeded rains. I listened carefully to the rest of the program. It was remarkably clear of Russian telejamming, but there was no further news of interest to me. And of course, no mention of the moon, though everyone knows that America and Russia are racing to develop their primary bases into fortresses capable of mutual assault and the launching of alphabet bombs towards Earth. Oh, crazy! Because that was an actual race to space. It was between America and Russia, but that didn't happen for 13 more years. They're not going to, yeah, they're not going to land for over a decade. That's, that's cool. This guy's, I think this I guy's like a psychic. Him. I think he's a psychic. This is freaking me out. There's, there's way too much in here that I'm like, wait, how would you know that? I myself knew perfectly well that the British electronic equipment I was helping trade for American wheat was destined for use in spaceships. I switched off the telecast. It was growing dark, and once again I pictured a tender, frightened face behind a mask. I hadn't had a date since England. <laughs> He's like, kind of excited about this. <laughs> It's exceedingly difficult to become acquainted with a girl in America, where as little as a smile often can set one of them yelping for the police, to say nothing of the increasing puritanical morality and the roving gangs that keep most women indoors after dark. And naturally, the masks, which are definitely not, as the Soviets claim, a last invention of capitalist degeneracy, but a sign of great psychological insecurity. The Russians have no masks. 
but they have their own signs of stress. Jesus. Everyone's fucked up. The Russians are just fucked up they're, different they're from the Americans. They're just fucked up different than Americans, you know, whatever. I went to the window and impatiently watched the darkness gather. I was getting very restless. After a while, a ghostly violet cloud appeared to the south. My hair rose. Then I laughed. I had momentarily fancied it a radiation from the crater of the hell bomb, though I should instantly have known it was only the radio-induced glow in the sky over the amusement and residential area south of Inferno. Promptly at 22 hours, I stood before the door of my unknown girlfriend's apartment. Whoa, whoa, sir. Don't use the girlfriend word yet. There's a space know, in there. I know. <laughs> it's like, whoa, moving fast. His girlfriend's apartment. The electronics say who please said just that. I answered clearly. Oh, we're going to get his name. A Winston Turner. That's... Turner is the last name of uh, um, uh, Orlando Bloom's character in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Yeah. It's also Whiston. Whiston Turner. That's much more British. I answered clearly, Whiston Turner, wondering if she'd given my name to the mechanism. Oh, like it's a robot. She evidently had, for the door opened. I walked into a small, empty living room, my heart pounding a bit. The room was expensively furnished with the latest pneumatic hassocks and sprawlers. There were some midgy books. <laughs> midgy books. <laughs> that's, a, that's a midgy book. There's some midgy books on the table. The one I picked up was the standard hard-boiled detective story in which two female murderers go gunning for each other. Well, shit. The television was on. A masked girl in green was crooning a love song. Her right hand held something that blurred off into the foreground. I saw the set had a handy, which we haven't in England as of yet, and courteously thrust my hand into the... <laughs> Finished it because I read ahead. And curiously thrust my hand into the handy orifice beside the screen. Getting nasty real quick. <laughs> He just walked into this woman's apartment and thrust and his hand into his her hand orifice. In <laughs> Jesus Christ. Contra well, she, she did invite him to her place after having known him for nine All of seconds. Ten seconds. I mean, now, granted, those were ten really, or nine really amazing seconds, but, you know, what you gonna do? Um, so he's got his hand in her orifice. Um, let's see, where, where was I? Contrary to my expectations, it was not like slipping into a plushing rubber glove, but rather as if the girl on the screen actually held my hand. Ew, what? A door opened behind me. I jerked out my hand. He's like, oh no, I got caught with my hand in the cookie jar. Sorry, I didn't mean to put my hand in your office. Uh. So this is interactive television. It's like interactive television. Huh. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's creepy. I jerked my hand with... <laughs> I jerked out my hand with as guilty a reaction as if I'd been caught peering through a keyhole. Yep. Yeah. She stood in the bedroom doorway. I think she was trembling. She was wearing a gray fur coat, white speckled, and a gray velvet evening mask with stirred gray lace around the eyes and her mouth. Her fingernails twinkled like silver. 
It hadn't occurred to me that she expected us to go out. I should have told you, she said softly. Her mask veered nervously toward the books and the screen and the room's dark corners. But I can't possibly talk to you here. I said doubtfully, uh, There's a place near the consulate. I know where we can be together and talk, she said rapidly, if you don't mind. As we entered the elevator, I said, I am afraid I dismissed the cab. But the cab driver haven't go- But the cab driver hadn't gone for some reason on his own. He jumped up and smirkingly held the front door open for us. I told him we preferred to sit in the back. He sulkingly opened the rear door, slamming it after us, jumped in front and slammed the door behind him. <laughs> He's like, fine, you don't want to sit with me? Fuck you. I thought we were friends, yeah. man. My companion leaned forward. Heaven, she said. The driver switched on the turbine and televisor. Why did you ask if I were a British subject, I said to start the conversation. She leaned away from me, tilting her mask close to the window. See the moon, she said in a quick, dreamy voice. But why, really, I pressed, conscious of an irritation that had nothing to do with her. It's edging up into the purple of the sky. And what's your name? The purple makes it look yellower. And then I became aware of the source of my irritation. It lay in the square of writhing light in the front of the cab beside the driver. I don't object to ordinary wrestling matches, though they bore me, but I simply detest watching a man wrestle a woman. Oh, shit. The fact that the bouts are generally on the level, with the man greatly outclassed in weight and reach, and the masked females young and personable, only makes them seem worse to me. Please turn off the screen, I requested the driver. He shook his head without looking around. Uh-huh, man, he said. They've been grooming that babe for weeks for this bout with little Zerk. Infuriated, I reached forward, but my companion caught my arm. Please, she whispered frighteningly, shaking her head. I settled back, frustrated. She was closer to me now, but silent, and for a few moments, I watched the heaves and contortions of the powerful masked girl and her wiry masked opponent on the screen. His frantic scrambling at her reminded me of a male spider. I jerked around, facing my companion. He's jerking a lot. <laughs> he jerks a lot. I mean, it seems like it's a pretty, like... like it's that flat. kind of society. I mean, there's no sex, so you gotta, you gotta, you gotta clear the pipe somehow. I jerked around, facing my companion. Why did those three men want to kill you? I asked sharply. The eye holes of her mask faced the screen. Because they're jealous of me, she whispered. Why are they jealous? She still didn't look at me. Because of him? Who? She didn't answer. I put my arm around her shoulders. Are you afraid to tell me? I asked. What is the matter? She still didn't look my way. She smelled nice. See here, I said laughingly, changing my tactics. You really should tell me something about yourself. I don't even know what you look like. I half playfully lifted my hand to the band of her neck. She gave it an astonishingly swift slap. I pulled it away in sudden pain. There were four tiny indentations on the back. From one of them, a tiny bead of blood welled out as I watched. I looked at her silver fingernails and saw they were actually delicate and pointed metal caps. I'm dreadfully sorry, I heard her say. 
But you frightened me. I thought for a moment you were going to... At last she turned to me. Her coat had fallen open. Her evening dress was Cretan Revival, a bodice of lace beneath and supporting the breasts without covering them. Wait, what? <laughs> her tits just out? She's like, boobies. They just, it's it's just very lacy. Very lacy or very opaque, uh, very uh, um, transparent. transparent. Yeah. Don't be angry, she said, putting her arms around my neck. You were wonderful this afternoon. This <laughs> is the most confusing, nasty story we've ever read. Um, the, gray, the soft gray velvet of her mask, molding itself to her cheek, pressed mine. Through the mask's lace, the wet, warm tip of her tongue touched my chin. <laughs> I'm not angry, I said, just puzzled and... Anxious to help. Not, not <laughs> angry. You're just fucking weird. He's like, you're kind of hot and kind of weird, and I haven't had sex in a long time, and um. But also, you might be super not hot. Yeah, he doesn't know. The cab stopped. To either side were black windows bordered by spears of broken glass. The sickly purple light showed a few ragged figures slowly moving toward us. Uh oh. The driver muttered, It's the turban man. We're grounded. He sat there hunched and motionless. Wish it had happened somewhere else. My companion whispered, Five dollars is the usual amount. <laughs> you getting played, dude. Yep. She looked out so shudderingly at the congregating figures that I suppressed my indignation and did as she, as she suggested. The driver took the bill without a word. As he started up, he put his hand out the window, and I heard a few coins clink on the pavement. My companion came back into my arms, but her mask faced the television screen, where the tall girl had just pinned the convulsingly kicking little zerk. I'm so frightened, she breathed. Heaven turned out to be an equally ruinous neighborhood. <laughs> well, you know, can't judge a book by its name, I guess. It had a club with an awning and a huge doorman uniformed like a spaceman, but in gaudy colors. <laughs> yeah, because spacemen normally wear, like, it's just white and gray. But this guy's, like, neon. He's, like, he's like fabulous spaceman. Yeah, it's, it's the, the gay pride NASA suit. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. In my sense, she was dazed. I rather liked it all. We stepped out of the cab just as a drunken old woman came down the sidewalk, her mask awry. A couple ahead of us turned their heads from the half-revealed face, as if from an ugly body at the beach. As we followed them, I heard the doorman say, Get along, Grandma, and wash yourself! Inside, everything was dimness and blue glows. She had said we could talk here, but I didn't see how. Besides the inevitable chorus of sneezes and coughs, they say America is 50% allergic these days. Well, that's nope. fucking accurate, too. Oh, my gosh. There was a band going full blast in the latest robop style. <laughs> it's like electro music. Oh, my God. It's He's like electronic music. It. In which an elect in which an electronic composing machine selects an arbitrary sequence of tones in which the musicians weave their raucous little individualities. So it is straight up techno it's, music. It's, it's, um... It's, like... It's 12-tone bebop. Yeah. That's fucking weird. 
That's what it is. It's AI music. Yeah. But they have a band, so it's like there's AI right. music and so a band AI, playing along with it. A, well, no, so AI composes it and the band plays it. Mm. All right. <laughs> Again, he's right on the... It's, it's what the writers are striking about right now. Yep. Most of the people were in booths. The band was behind the bar. On a small platform beside them, a girl was dancing, stripped to her mask. The little cluster of men at the shadowy far end of the bar weren't looking at her. We inspected the me- we inspected the menu in gold script on the wall and pushed the buttons for breast of chicken, fried shrimps, and two scotches. Ooh, yeah. Chicken, shrimp, and scotch? Yeah. yeah. Some decent dinner. Moments later, the serving bell tinkled. <laughs> tinkle, tinkle. That's just a funny word. Tinkle's a funny word. I opened the gleaming panel and took out our drinks. The cluster of men at the bar filed off toward the door, but first they stared around the room. My companion had just thrown back her coat. Their look lingered on our booth. I noticed that there were three of them. Uh-oh. The band chased off the dancing girl with growls. I handed my companion a straw, and we sipped our drinks. You're drinking scotch with a straw? What the fuck's that shit? It's a different time. I guess so. It's a scotch shake. Oh, yummy. I... <laughs> it's a scotch beer float. Scotch beer float. It's a scotch, uh, scotch it's just, it's, on the atomic rocks. It's it's a it's a pint of scotch with a scoop of vanilla ice cream. Mm, <laughs> Have you ever made a beer float? No. Yeah, it's not good. I would assume not. <laughs> you wanted me to help you about something. I said. Incidentally, I think you're lovely. She nodded quick thanks, looked around, leaned forward. Would it be hard for me to get to England? No, I replied, a bit taken aback. Provided you have an American passport. Are they difficult to get? Rather, I said, surprised at her lack of information. Your country doesn't like its nationals to travel, though it isn't quite as stringent as Russia. Could the British consulate help me get a passport? It's hardly there, could you? I realized we were being inspected. A man and two girls had paused opposite our table. The girls were tall and wolfish looking with spangled masks. The man stood jauntingly between them like a fox on its hind legs. My companion didn't glance at them, but she sat back. I noticed that one of the girls had a big yellow bruise on her forearm. After a moment, they walked to a booth in the deep shadows. Know them? I asked. She didn't reply. I finished my drink. I'm not sure you'd like England, I said. The austerity is altogether different from your American brand of misery. (laughs) (laughs) She leaned forward again. But I must get away, she whispered. Why? I was getting impatient. Because I'm so frightened. There were chimes. I opened the panel and handed her her fried shrimps. The sauce on my breast of chicken was a delicious steaming compound of almonds, soy, and ginger. Mm. That sounds yummy. But something oh, yeah, must ginger chicken. <laughs> but something must have been wrong with the radionic oven that had thawed and heated it, for at first bite I crunched a kernel of ice in the meat. 
These delicate mechanisms need constant repair, and there aren't enough mechanics. Ice chicken. Yuck. (laughs) Uh I put down my fork. He's like, yeah, I don't need to eat this. (laughs) What are you really scared of? I asked her. For once, her mask didn't waver away from my face. As I waited, I could feel the fears gathering without her naming them, tiny dark shapes swarming through the curved night outside, converging on the radioactive pest spot of New York, dripping into the margins of the purple. I felt a sudden rush of sympathy, a desire to protect the girl opposite me, the warm feeling adding itself to the infatuation engendered in the cab. Everything, she said finally. I nodded and touched her hand. What are you afraid of? Everything. Everything. Can you be more specific? Whipped cream, (laughs) carpets, Scott shakes, insects, (laughs) my hair, the ukulele. The ukulele. (laughs) The poetry of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Your mother. My mother. (laughs) Asparagus. Oh, yes. Makes the pee weird. (laughs) I nodded and touched her hand. I'm afraid of the moon, she began, her voice going dreamy and brittle as it had in the cab. You can't look at it and not think of guided bombs. Well, it's the same moon over England, I reminded her. But it's not England's moon anymore. It's ours and Russia's. You're not responsible. I pressed her hand. Oh, and then, she said with a tilt of her mask, I'm afraid of the cars and the gangs and the loneliness and inferno. I'm afraid of the lust that undresses your face. And her voice hushed. I'm afraid of the wrestlers. Hulk Hogan and like you know like The Rock like these people I'm afraid of the wrestlers Andre the Giant oh yes The Undertaker <laughs> and then I'm imagining like all the Mexican wrestlers all the luchadors, the luchadors. <laughs> oh lord John Cena yeah he's so scary yeah he really strikes fear into the hearts Just of terrifying oh my gosh Yes, I prompted softly after a moment. Her mask came forward. (laughs) Do you know something about the wrestlers? She asked rapidly. The one that wrestles women, I mean. They often lose, you know, and then they have to have a girl to take their frustration out on. A girl who's soft and weak and terribly frightened. They, They need that to keep them men. Other men don't want them to have a girl. Other men want them to just fight women and be heroes, but they must have a girl, and it's horrible for her. Wait, what? So he fights women, and he loses, and then he, like... And then he goes home and beats up his girlfriend. Takes a woman, like, or is, like, you know, assaulting women. Yeah. Assaulting a woman in some way. I squeezed her fingers tighter, as if courage could be transmitted. Granting, if I had any. (laughs) 
granting I had any. It's like I'm trying to transmit my courage, but I have none. I think I can get you to England, I said. Shadows crawled onto the table and stayed there. I looked up at the three men who had been at the end of the bar. They were the men I had seen in the big coop. They wore black sweaters and close-fitted black trousers. Oh, it's like they're, they're like the Jets. <laughs> like da 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 <laughs> They sound like they're getting ready to go... To a beat poetry slam. ...on a jewelry heist or yeah. something. Yeah. It's like, or have like a beret on. They're going to be like, woman. Yeah. Whoa, man. <laughs> or they're going to go like rumble in the schoolyard. Yeah. yeah. Their faces were as expressionless as dopers. Two of them stood above me. The other loomed over the girl. Drift off, man, I was told. I heard the other inform the girl. We'll wrestle a fall, sister. What shall it be? Judo? Slapsy? Or kill who can? I stood up. There are times when an Englishman simply must be maltreated. <laughs> but just then, the fox-like man came gliding in like the star of a ballet. The reaction to the other three startled me. They were acutely embarrassed. He smiled at them thinly. You won't win my favor by tricks like this, he said. Don't get the wrong idea, Zerk, one of them pleaded. Oh, he's the wrestler. Yep. I will if it's right, he said. She told me what you tried to do this afternoon. That won't endear you to me either, Drift. They backed away awkwardly. Let's get out of here, one of them said loudly as they turned. Cheese it, it's the fuzz. Yeah. <laughs> I know a place where they can fight naked with knives. <laughs> so it's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to go do the cool dance from the West Side Story, but naked. Yep. <laughs> Little Zerk laughed musically and slipped into the seat beside my companion. She shrank from him just a little. I pushed my feet back and leaned forward. Who's your friend, baby? He asked, not looking at her. She passed the question to me with a little gesture. I told him. British, she observed. She's been asking you about getting out of the country. About passports? He smiled pleasantly. She likes to start running away, don't you, baby? His small hand began to stroke her wrist. The fingers bent a little, the tendons ridged, as if he were about to grab and twist. So she's the one he's been beating up. Lovely. Look here, I said sharply. I have to be grateful for you ordering off those bullies, but think nothing of it, he told me. There's no harm except when they're behind steering wheels. A well-trained 14-year-old girl could cripple any of them. Why, even Theta here... If she went in for that sort of thing, he turned to her, shifting his hand from her wrist to her hair. He stroked it, letting the strands slip slowly through his fingers. You know I lost tonight, baby, don't you? He said softly. I stood up. Come along, I said to her. Let's leave. She just sat there. I couldn't even tell if she was trembling. I tried to read a message in her eyes through the mask. I'll take you away, I said to her. I can do it. I really will. He smiled at me. She'd like to go with you, he said. Wouldn't you, baby? Will you or won't you, I said to her. She still just sat there. He slowly knotted his fingers in her hair. 
Listen, you little vermin, I snapped at him. Take your hands off of her. He came up from the seat like a snake. I'm no fighter. I just know that the more scared I am, the harder and straighter I hit. This time I was lucky, but as he crumpled back, I felt a slap and four stabs of pain in my cheek. I clapped my hand to it. I could feel the four gashes made by her dagger finger caps and the warm blood oozing out from them. She didn't look at me. She was bending over little Zerk and cuddling her mask to his cheek and crooning, There, there, don't feel bad. You'll be able to hurt me afterward. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> she just slapped the British guy? Yeah. For hurting, for hitting Zerk? Yes. Jesus Christ. This is some an abusive relationship, yep. like, at its peak. There were sounds around us, but they didn't come close. I leaned forward and ripped the mask from her face. Oh, shit. He's like, I'm done with this bullshit. We're going to figure out what the fuck's going on. I really don't know what... I really don't know why I should have expected her face to be anything else. It was very pale, of course, and there weren't any cosmetics. I suppose there's no point in wearing any under a mask. The eyebrows were untidy and the lips chapped. But as for the general expression, as for the feelings crawling and wriggling across it... Have you ever lifted a rock from damp soil? Have you ever watched the slimy white grubs? I looked down at her, she up at me. Yes, you're so frightened, aren't you? I said sarcastically. You dread this little nightly drama, don't you? You're scared to death. I walked right out into the purple night, still holding my hand to my bleeding cheek. No one stopped me, not even the girl wrestlers. I wish I could tear a tab from my shirt and test it then and there and find I'd taken too much radiation and so be able to ask to cross the Hudson and go down to New Jersey, past the lingering radiance of the Narrows bomb and so on to Sandy Hook to wait for the rusty ship that would take me back over the seas to England. The end? So it was all set up. Yeah. Like... Her job is to, like, lure a guy in every day, bring him to the bar so, like, he can, like, be the whole her thing protector. Was foreplay. It's, yeah. Ew. 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 I don't know how I feel about any of that. First of all, it was way too close to home in so many ways. Like, I was like, okay, so this is 20 years from now. Sweet. Um, also, like, fuck that bitch. <laughs> Like, what was that? Like, ew. Do you know what it had the feel of to me was a, um, like, uh, I'm thinking of like, like an Ibsen play or a Strindberg play. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Where it's, it's this, the whole thing, it's one evening, it's this slice of life thing, it's a fucked up evening. Yeah. But there was like... Weirdly, it reminded me a little bit of, like, Miss Julie. Or, like, Moonstruck. <laughs> or, or Moonstruck, sure. Well, no, if you like, want to get, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. that's not all one night, though. Um, no, but, like, but a similar like idea a, of, like, you, all, of, Or, all, like, Frankie and Johnny. Yeah. Frankie and Johnny and the Claire de Lune. That's yeah. all one night. And that's all real fucked up and yeah. dark. And, um, like, he's, they're both, like, 
into like dark shit and like, mm-hmm. but they want to be in love. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's like, it's a single evening of just this character's emotional journey as he kind of gets fucked with. As he tries to help, like he, he randomly saves somebody mm-hmm. and then like, yeah. And then like the whole Prince Charming thing falls apart in his hands. Yeah. Like, cause it's all a setup for like their own amusement. Yeah, that's nasty. That was, whoa. (laughs) That was, that was a lot. That was dark. That was a dark story. Um, It was like, it was, it was a strange one. It, like it is, it's leaving me very much with the same feelings that I always leave those sort of late 19th, early 20th century realism plays with. And for some reason, like, the relationship between her and this, this, what, Kirk, Kirk, Zerk, is very, uh, Audrey and the dentist in Little Shop of Horrors. Yes. So I just want the story to continue and him, well, everyone to get fed to the plants. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like throw them all in the atomic bomb. Like, uh, they just trip and fall into the inferno on the way home. Yeah. They all like, they get, they get what they deserve or like, you know, whatever. <laughs> but like, sideswiped by a coop with fish hooks. Yeah. Even though it sounds like that's just what they do. They just like, uh, it's like those bars that hang uh, like down in New Orleans and stuff that hang bras on the the wall. It's like they hang skirts. It's like trophy. Yay. I saw boobies. Um, Yeah, that was dark. That was weird. But yes, I mean, that's how I feel when I read something like Miss Julie or like, or like, um, um, had a gabbler or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, where you're like, oh, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. I don't even know who I like in this story. <laughs> like, like Dollhouse. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You, you just kind of leave kind of going, like, that was really well-written icky. Yeah. Like, it's just kind of, or like, honestly, um, August Osage County. Yeah. Because that show yeah. upsets me. Because yeah. I'm like, who am I supposed to like in this? But mm-hmm. it's just kind of like a one-day event of this family and all the shit that comes out. But like, that's what this is. It's like. This post-apocalyptic, like, New York, and it's just, like, people interacting with each other and using other people to get what they want. Yeah, I will say the, the, um, thematically, I find his, his predictions of the future to have been fascinating. That, they were creepy. They, they weren't, they weren't, like, letter-perfect spot-on prophecy or anything, but thematically, it's wild how... Like the stuff that he was talking about in 1950. The, um, what were the other ones that came up that we were like, holy shit. Um, Well, it did seem to be very like contemporary and progressive views on sort of morality and sexuality and and those sorts of things. Um, Well, and like some of the men dress up as women. Like you can't even tell who the women are. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, hey, thanks, Fritz. That was cool. Hey, Fritz Lieber. Thanks for not being a Nazi, and uh, <laughs> thanks for writing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, see, so the cannibalism story came full circle. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, the fuck? <laughs> I'm glad there were no cannibals in this, this story. This whole story was just, the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the whole episode. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> hey, campers, do you have specific thoughts about that story? What did it make you think of, or what did it make you feel, or what did it make you think about. Mm. Uh, 
inquiring minds want to know. So go ahead and shoot us an email at 5050artsproduction at gmail.com or message us on any of the social media. You can find us by looking for Campfire Classics Podcast on Facebook or Instagram or, you know, wherever else. Uh, and shoot us a message to let us know what you thought about this story, what you thought about yeah. Fritz Lieber and, and what he made you think about. And when you message us, go ahead and use this week's secret passphrase, which is seven and a half cents. Seven and a half cents doesn't buy a hell of a lot. Seven <laughs> and a half cents doesn't buy a thing. <laughs> uh... <laughs> I think that's it. Yep. I think we're done. No, I had another thing. What was it? Uh, it's gone. It doesn't matter. Uh, hey, if you did like this episode, uh, go ahead and share it with a friend. Tell someone who would think that, that it's cool that yeah. they would think that it's cool. And really, genuinely, please, please, please do that part. That part, that's the most important thing. That's the thing that you can do for us that helps out so and much. subscribe. Is share this with a friend, subscribe, like it, leave a review. Like, do stuff so that other people will listen. Because and so we know you like it. The, the more people listen, um, the more we feel like it's good that we do it. Yeah. We are artists, and therefore, by nature... Demand positive feedback. We need positive feedback. We need affirmations. We need, we need, uh, re, what, what? Words are hard tonight. We need, uh, help me. I'm needy. Help me. I need you to tell me you love me. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. That's you got all anything else? Great. No, it's uh, late. I'm tired. Thanks for listening. Until next week, this has been Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. Fear the wrestlers. Fear them. Fear the wrestlers. Fear the reaper. <laughs> and the wrestlers. And the moon and, you know, everything. Everything. And cauliflower. Because <laughs> it smells like farts. Fear spirit.